Hi, everyone. Welcome to Calvary Community Church online. We're all getting pretty used to that by now, aren't we? It's something that has become a normal for us. It's a new normal, but it won't be a forever normal. At this point, we're under a safer at home order. And that's kind of neat, isn't it? As we've been thinking about that, what does it mean to be safer at home? I've thought about what does it mean to find my home, my hiding place in the shelter of the Lord. I think of Psalm 91 that talks about me dwelling in the shadow of his wing and finding that it really truly is safer at home, if I consider that to be home. So as we come into your home, we're trusting and praying that you feel safer there and that you're taking the precautions that you need um, to be able to keep yourself safe. And remember, we don't, we don't stay safer at home out of fear. We're staying safer at home out of love for those around us, for those in the, in the medical profession, for those who are seniors. And so we're taking the precautions that we need to be able to um, obey those who God has placed in authority over us. So even as we're together, we're reaching out to you in different ways. And one of those ways is on our website. And so I wanted to just run through the website a little bit, just in case you're not quite familiar with it. This is the homepage. So when you pull up calvarycommunity.net, this is where you end up. And if you look right here, it says the COVID-19 Thrival Kit. And so we really like that because you can click on that and it gives you all sorts of ways that you can be involved in helping. There's a video presentation from the staff that helps you know what they're looking to do during this time. And then there's a very special button right here. It's called the COVID helpline. In addition to everything else, there's a prayer page and lots of other things. But I want to bring your attention to that one. And what it does is it opens up uh, another page that lets you know how you can either get help or give help. And if you touch on there, it'll open up a, a, pay, a page to you very bright on your screen, but um, it, it'll let you fill in what are the places that you have a need, and then if you want to give help, there's places you can touch on there as well, and then you can find out how to do that. We're making face masks right now, kind of partnering with Lakeland Church on that, and so there's a place on there where you can get details for that as well. So that's a way that you can get involved and stay involved, and each one of those will take you on the on the uh, COVID page, we'll take you to the different groups. So if you're in junior high, there's the peers, senior high, ministry to women, ministry to men. Each one of these have different ways that you can get involved. And of course, don't forget Right Now Media. Okay, Right Now Media is uh, available to you. If you click on that link, it will take you to a page that will help you get registered and you'll be able to register for Right Now Media and you'll be able to bring those things right into your home. So we encourage you to use the, um, the website as you see fit as you continue to stay connected here at Calvary and as we continue to meet together differently. Let's turn our attention, shall we, to our worship service. And as we do that this week, we're going to ask you to step in as families once in a while. And we're going to encourage you to use your pause button. If there's places and times where you want to pray together, hit the pause button, pray. If there's something that's said that you want to talk about, don't forget that you're able to hit the pause button, do something together as a family or with a group that you're in, and then go ahead and hit and play and you'll be able to continue on. So I'd like to start our service this morning this afternoon, this evening, whatever it may be where you are, uh, with Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that day, their very plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day, for this time, this moment that we come together to worship you. And Lord, it's interesting, we're doing that from all different places, coming together uniquely. And so I pray in each of the homes, each of the rooms, each of the apartments, each of the cars, wherever it is that people are listening and and watching and following along with this stream, Lord, I pray that you'd be in the midst of us and you'd unite us even as we try to determine what that means. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love for us, for your goodness to us. And we pray now as we bring the service to you that it would be a blessing to you, Lord God. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. It is good during these times to remember that our God is a consuming fire. I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you're praying that God is a consuming fire and his mercy would come down and burn out this pandemic and all the effect that it's having. But at the same time, I'm praying that God uses this in a powerful way to continue to make himself known in the world. And it's interesting to see how many more people are thinking about just what's causing this and and who's behind it and what does that all look like and the questions they have. And we're uniquely positioned to be able to answer those questions. This is time in our service when we go to prayer. And uh, if you've been, if you're on the website and you're downloading the message, you see that you can also download the bulletin. We've changed the format a little bit to help make it a little easier for you to read at home. And uh, inside, you'll see that there's a call to prayer. There's also a QR code on the back where if you'd like to donate, you sure can. But um, as we go to the call to prayer, I'm going to pray here. But if this is a place where you'd like to hit pause and go through that as a family or as, as wherever you're sitting or wherever you are, if you'd like to take that prayer page and hit pause and pray, pray over these things yourself and then come back or if you'd like to, however you'd like to do that. So, dear God, we come to you grateful for who you are, grateful that you are a consuming fire and that you are, Lord, a God of love and a God of peace as well and that you are sovereign and that you are faithful. And, God, we, we praise you that this COVID virus, Lord, is not something that has caught you by surprise, but rather, Lord, is something that was um, uniquely understood by you. And, Father, I praise you and and praise you for the way that you're using this to make your name known. And I pray that you'd be doing that among us. Lord, I I thank you for the way that you've allowed this to bring people together differently than they have in the past. 
it's caused us to have some of the things that we've trusted and shaken and, and, and moved, Lord, to a place where we now understand and know that you're our sure and found, firm foundation in a different way than we've known before. So as we come to you, Lord, we pray that you'd continue to make yourself known through us. We pray that you'd continue to allow us to see how we can be helping our neighbors, how we can be making you known as we go into the community. Especially today, Lord, I'd like to pray for our missionary partners all around the world. Lord, many of them are in places where they're at risk, but they can't be coming home. And God, I I pray for them. I pray that you'd... uh, encompass them in, in, in a powerful way that they would know your presence in the midst of this. The uncertainty of travel plans that some of them have as they were coming home for furlough or, or traveling and now those travel plans are uncertain, Lord. In the midst of all of that uncertainty, help them know that there's a church here who loves them and who's praying for them. God, I pray that you'd help them to be able to minister effectively and, and powerfully in the, in the places where they are even as they wait on you. God, we think of, especially this, this week, Dave and Judy Spong with Joy Ministries. Thank you, Lord, that there are no cases of the virus reported in the prison and that David and Judy are still able to, to minister in uh, by email. But we pray that, uh, that you'd continue to use them and that their visitation privileges could be restored. Father, we pray um, for a revival to come, that you'd use this in the lives of, of the people, Lord, uh, who call you Savior, those who are Christ followers, that you'd awaken in us a deeper passion for your name, that we'd trust in you even more than we have before. I pray, Lord, that you'd unite us as a church in, in Walworth County, those of us those of us as churches that are preaching and proclaiming the gospel, that you'd help to keep us united even as we try to determine how we can be praying together and meeting together in a time when that's, that's hard to do. Lord, I pray as well for, for those in our midst, our seniors and, and Lord, who are, are most at risk from everything we know. We pray, Father, that you'd bring people around them to help them so they wouldn't need to leave their homes, people who could do shopping for them and things like that. Thank you for our nurses who are staying in touch with them. Lord, I I pray that you'd help us to have a real um, and true grasp of the meaning of the times that we live in in such a way that we can make you known. Lord, we thank you for your provision. We know that there's some in our midst who've lost their jobs and the uncertainty that's coming with that because of the, the places where they work being closed. And, and so, Lord, I pray that as those needs come into us as a church, we'd have the resources to be able to help them. And we thank you, Lord, for the generosity of those who call Calvary home, even now sending in their checks and giving online so that we will be able to uniquely meet those needs as they're presented to us. And so, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for calling us to be stewards, careful stewards. I pray now, Lord, as we continue in this service that the song that we sing, Lord, would be a blessing to you. And as Pastor Tim comes, Lord, I pray that you would minister through him powerfully. And, Lord, that, his, that your word spoken through him would be powerful for us. Change us and shape us for your glory. And in your name we pray, amen.
The song we just sang, uh, Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor, is one of those songs that, uh, for me in the past couple of weeks here, has really been an anchor song. Remember last week as we had talked about how we stay anchored, and first we anchor our hearts and our minds in what God's Word has for us, and then there's also the songs that help uh, bring alive many of the thoughts that we have thought from from God's Word. And so uh, this is one of the songs that Um, we just sang that has really been impacting me, and I'd like to take a moment here and look at a couple of the words of that song. And this is the, these are the lines that have, when I was listening to it, and I was introduced to it a couple of weeks ago, this, this line here in it, that Christ is sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm, meaning when the storm is raging around us, he is the one that we anchor our hope to. Because there's nothing else that will hold us in those moments. And you see, as the words of the song goes on, when the winds of doubt blow through me, and even these winds here are literally, it's like it's blowing right through you, shaking you to the core. And your sails, that the ones that you were at one time were resting in to help carry you, are now torn, and it seems hopeless. What are the last two lines here that say? I will hold fast to the anchor, because it will never be removed. And I encourage you that these words like this, may they lift your soul, may they anchor you in moments like this. Because uh, for me, I'm more of a planner, and I like knowing what tomorrow's going to hold. I like writing checklists. And right now, the only check I can go is tomorrow will probably be different than today. And we live in a world like that right now. And so I'd encourage you to anchor yourself in God's Word and to anchor yourself in songs like this to help us to be faithful as we move on to what God has for us. So before we hop into today's sermon, I'd like to ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. And so let's take a moment now and pray. Dear Holy Father, guide us. As the song says, guide us, O thou great Jehovah, as we are pilgrims in this barren land. We are weak and you are strong. So dear Holy Father, guide us now as we look into your word. We ask these things in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, last week we were in Hebrews 11, and we were talking about how God is sovereign in the affairs of man. And we were talking about the way we saw the two different groups, those who God had called to stay and continue to minister, and those who God had called to come home, and how living by faith looked for both of them. One, things happened that they were protected from the, their life here on earth, and others, they had things they were protected from all the way to the end. And we also saw, too, at the end, In Hebrews chapter 12 there, why these things were recorded. They were recorded to encourage us, to encourage us to be faithful to the end. But there was one phrase, if you were looking your Bibles here, Hebrews chapter 11, there's one phrase that I would say is really impacting me in my own life as I read through this, and it's in Hebrews 11 verse 38, and it's just the first part of that verse. When you're talking about the group of people These two groups, the ones who God had said it's time to to go and the other group that God had said it's time to stay, they're mentioned that the world was not worthy of them. You see this Hebrews 11, 38, of whom the world was not worthy. And I asked myself as I was reading through this, so what does that even look like? How does one live a life that the world is not worthy of? And that's why today's uh, title in our message is living a life that the world is not worthy of. And so what I'd like to do is to look in our Bibles, and I'd like to uh, look at the way that a, a group of men, their journey through life was recorded, how they lived a life that the world was not worthy of. And that group of men, these four men that we're going to talk about, 
Their names were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so obviously, you can turn your Bibles to Daniel. We'll be Daniel chapter 1 to start off with. But I want to give you a little background of this text. And when you have time uh, throughout this week here, I'd love for you, if you can, read through the whole book of Daniel. But uh, I'll be mainly focused in Daniel chapters 1, 2, and 3. And if you want to pause right now and read it all so you get the context, uh, that'd be great. But if you want to just go along, I'll try to pick us up in the context as we move forward. So Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were living in Israel during the time when Nebuchadnezzar comes in and takes away and destroys the the capital city there of Jerusalem. And these men, or they were actually boys at this time, most people believe they were somewhere around the ages of 11, 12, or 13, are taken away into Babylon into captivity. And they were taken away for the sole purpose of literally changing their thinking. They were going to be trained in the ways of the Babylonians. They were going to be trained in how they learned, what society was like, even to be put in places of governmental rule. And so in a way, you want to take it, these boys were going to be taken into Babylon and brainwashed into the Babylonian captivity way of thinking and were basically being encouraged to forget their past. And now is your new life. And for those of you who know the story, they were even given different names, and you'll see there'll be different names given. Some have their Hebrew name. Sometimes we have their Babylonian name, because literally what Babylon was trying to do was change them to the very core. And so what we're going to see is a group of men whose world has been just shaken to the core. Nothing now is new in their, nothing, everything is new. Nothing is, is familiar to them, is now all of a sudden going to be right in front of them. How are you going to live when everything that you knew is gone and you're in a pagan land. So the first thing we're going to see here as we walk through this is living a life that is not worthy of the world. You're going to live a life by faith that obeys God's law. When we live by faith, we obey God's law. And so what I'd like to do now is Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to give you a little of the background of what's happening here. So obviously Daniel and and his four friends show up they're in, in school, as you want to call it, the school of Babylon. And just like in school, there's lunch and there's dinner and other things like that that are going on. And so uh, Daniel and his boys and these boys are confronted with a crossroads here right at the beginning. They are confronted with the idea of, are we going to obey God and what God has called us to do? Or are we going to give in to the culture around us? And so what they're confronted with when they sit down for their first meal is the food that is given to them is not what God had told them to eat. The Israelite people, you can read this through the Old Testament, were told to have a strict diet, a diet that God had told them, these are the foods you are to eat, and these are the foods you are not to eat. Not just, these are the foods you're only supposed to eat with some type, you know, have a couple of them. It's no, here's the food to eat, and here's the food not to eat. And this was a command that God had given them. And so the choices in front of them is this, obey God or disobey God. I want to be clear because sometimes we think, is it obey God or obey man? No, there's only one choice. It's obey God or disobey God. Because what man was telling him to do here went in direct violation to what God had called him to do. And so this food is given, and Daniel now and his friends are faced with a decision. And we see here in verse 8, what, was Daniel's, what did Daniel do? Notice this, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself. 
So notice how Daniel responded. Daniel did not go sulking into the corner and say, nobody knows the sorrow I've seen. He doesn't go and try to rebel. He doesn't try to get angry and say, can you believe what they're asking us to do? What we see Daniel do first, and the first thing we see is Daniel resolved. And the word resolve, just because I love definitions, because it helps us understand what does it look like to live a life of faith, and what does it look like to live a life that is not worthy of this world. Daniel resolved. And the word resolve means deciding firmly on a course of action. So Daniel had decided, going back to our text here, Daniel had decided this is what we're doing. We will not defile ourselves. We will be true to what God had called us to do. And since he was firm on that, since he understood that, he was able to then, in a calm way, know what to do next. And what did he do? He went to the authority and he asked. And he asked for permission. And you can read the rest of the text in the way that because Daniel obeying what God had called him to do, God had answered their prayers and he had blessed them and given them wisdom and knowledge as they walked through this. But I want to take a moment here and notice this. That living by faith, living a life that this world is not worthy of, is a life that is obedient to what God has called us to do, obedient to God's law, obedient to God's word. And so what I want to do here for a moment, I really want you guys to pause and think right now, what is God asking me to be obedient to? What is that next step, that next step of obedience that God is asking me to do? And am I going to resolve a planned course of action? Am I going to resolve to follow after God no matter what? Because a life that is lived by faith obeys God and obeys what he has to say for us. So that's the first principle. The first principle, again, I'll get here in a second here. The first principle, again, is living a life that the world is not worthy of, is living a life of faith that obeys God's law. Second here, we're going to see that living a life that the world is not worthy of is living by faith, it seeks God's wisdom and God's wisdom alone. So we see this, if you want to turn your Bibles to uh, Daniel chapter 2 and uh, verse 13 through 18, I'm going to give you the context of what's happening here. We have another interesting moment. Because remember, when you're living in a world that is contrary to the things of God, you will be continually confronted with how do we follow God? How do we stay true to what he's called us to? So now in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in this dream that he has, he's very complex. And so he calls all of the wise men of that time period to him. And he says, give me the interpretation of the dream. And if any of you give me the interpretation of the dream, I will give you incredible wealth. And so all the wise men are excited. They're ready and raring to go. All right, tell us the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar says, well, there is one thing. I'm not telling you the dream. So you need to tell me the dream. And then you need to tell me the interpretation. And the wise men are dumbfounded. How in the world can we tell you an interpretation of a dream that you didn't even tell us? These are secret things. We don't know these things. But it's interesting. Whenever you hear people say, these are the secret things we don't know, Deuteronomy 20, 29, 29 should come to your mind. The secret things belong to who? They belong to God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. And so we see here that Daniel knows this. And so Daniel now 
is confronted by this. Daniel is not in the uh, first wave of people that are told this. And so Daniel finds this out secondhand because since none of the wise men can interpret this dream, the captain of the guard is going through killing them all. And the captain of the guard is, comes to Daniel. It's almost like you can hear a knock on the door and Daniel comes to the door and the captain of the guard is kind of ready to go at him. And Daniel kind of, you see Daniel here, respond. So let's look at the text here. Daniel chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. And you can follow along either on the screen or in your Bibles at home. So therefore the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the, captain, the king's captain, why is it that the, the king's decree is so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king an appointed time that he might show the interpretation of the king. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishai, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, I want to walk us through here on the screen. So the decree goes out, right? And as the decree goes out that they're all going to die, the captain of guards comes, but notice Daniel's reply. Notice the way Daniel replies here. He replied with prudence and with discretion. All right, someone's at your door ready to tell you, come with me, we're going to kill you all. Most of us, if we're, not, if we're not careful, our response would be, you kidding me? Get out of here. You don't know what you're talking about. But what does Daniel do? Because he is living by faith, because his faith is anchored in God, he doesn't panic. He keeps his head, and he speaks with respect to the guard. Notice both situations already. Conflict arises, and what does Daniel do? He respectfully understands that they're a God-appointed authority that he appeals through because they are a God-appointed authority. And so when he appeals to the authority God has appointed, in a way he is appealing to God because God is in control of these men. And we see the text goes on. What Daniel asks for, Daniel asks for extra time. He asked for time to, con to consult, and it's not to consult his own wisdom. He requests that time would be given so they can find the answer because they know the answer is not in themselves. They know the answer can come from God and God alone. They don't seek their own wisdom. We see here in verse 18, though, and he told them, the them that he's referring to is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you see their Hebrew names here, Hananiah, Mish Mishael, and Azariah, but we see these four guys together seeking mercy from God. Isn't it interesting how the word there, what they're doing is they're praying, but notice how the, the text uses the term they sought mercy. This is undeserved favor. Because remember, these boys grew up hearing the law being written. I'm sure that Deuteronomy 29, 29, they had heard in their time being spoken to them that the secret things belong to God. And so what they're saying is, God, show us the secret things. Be merciful to us. Mercy, undeserved favor. Give us the undeserved favor of your basically hidden decree here, hidden plan, because we don't know it, and we can only find it and find it from you. And so what they do is they pray. They pray that God would reveal it to them. 
and they pray that God would reveal it to Daniel. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. They're praying that God would reveal this to Daniel. Remember, there is a prize for the one who can interpret the dream. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not saying, God, reveal it to me, not Daniel, because I want the prize. They are praying that God reveals it to Daniel, showing their humility, showing that they're not having any selfish ambition, showing that, look, we are in this together. God, reveal it to Daniel so Daniel can show the king what has been hidden. And when God does, God shows the vision to Daniel, and it's not on the screen here, but I want to take a moment and notice, Daniel and, his, and his, these four guys are praying, and they're seeking God. And then when the answer comes, they don't just immediately go up and go, all right, well, here we go. They pause and they thank God. And I want to read the prayer where Daniel thanks God and listen. Listen to the way this prayer speaks even into now and our day and age. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and to knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God. God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. You have made known to me what we have asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Notice the way Daniel just, in a way, cries out to God in praise. And so my prayer for us now, the question that I believe is right in front of us, in these hard moments, in these moments where, in a way, we don't know what the end looks like. God does. These are secret things that God only knows. Are we praying for mercy? Are we praying for undeserved favor? That God would come and give us wisdom and discernment, that he would come and heal our land? Are we seeking the wisdom of God? Or are we quickly just trying to rely on the wisdom of man that we hear each day from our TV? And are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we being faithful in those moments? Because it's easy to try to rely on our own strength. It's easy to try to say, listen, I've got this. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to wash everything I can. I'm going to wipe down all the doorknobs, everything I can, and then I'll pray. Do we stop first? And do we say, God, give me wisdom. Help me to know what to do. Because I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going to go if this thing calls me home but I don't know if my neighbors do. And it is hard because you got this whole social distancing thing going on. So we pray that God will give us wisdom to know how to share the gospel to people that our culture is saying, stand back. We need wisdom. We need discretion. May we be on our knees each day praying that God will give us wisdom to know when to speak and how to speak truth. So we see here the first two principles of what is it like to live a life that the world is not worthy of. First, it's we're obedient to God. Second, that we are people of prayer. We go before his throne knowing that we need the mercy that only he can provide. And we see these here. I want to move to now the final one, the last principle. What does it look like to live a life that the world is not worthy of is living by faith with an eternal perspective. And we're going to turn over into uh, the next chapter here, 
in Daniel chapter 3. Again, I'd really encourage you when you have time, there are so many amazing, great things in these texts here for you to, to read through. So when, you're, when we're done this, if you as a family want to take a different chapter each night for devotions, I'd really encourage you to do this. Chapter 3 now. Nebuchadnezzar, once again, is going to create a crossroads for our four guys. Daniel's not here in this, in, this, in this passage, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. We don't know where Daniel is. Maybe he has been moved around the kingdom somewhere, but he's not here in this text. King Nebuchadnezzar's made a golden idol, and he said, bow down. And we know the commandments, the Ten Commandments, they tell us we do not bow down to an idol. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understand this. They are confronted again to obey or to disobey. Do we bow down to the statue or do we not? Living by faith in this world, when you live by faith in this world, it's going to bring you into direct conflict with the way the world thinks. The world is going to be pushing you to do things, and God's Word is going to be telling us to do something else. These boys and the way they lived their life was a continual upstream battle against the world's thinking. But we see, and we're going to see in this text, that these boys lived a life that had an eternal perspective, that they understood the here and now was what it was not all about, that there better was yet to come. So the king creates a statue. He's going to blow the trumpets and the instruments, and when the instruments are blown, everybody's supposed to bow down, and so the time comes. The trumpets are blown. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't bow down. They're standing, and it doesn't take long before they're before the king, and the king is basically going to say to them, listen, guys, you need to obey. You need to obey. I'm going to give you another chance, or you are going to die. And so let's look and see what the text says. So we see here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Meaning it's, we don't even need to question, are we going to do this or not? We already know what we're going to do. If this be so, if literally what you're saying is so, that if we don't bow down, we're going to die. Our God, whom we serve, is able, which is... Remember that song when you're little, he's able, he's able, I know he's able. The answer is yes, he's able. Able to do what? To deliver us from the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand. But O king, but if not, be it known to you, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. These men understood that the here and now was not the end game. These men understood that God was calling them to be obedient, to be obedient all the way to the end, whatever the end was in their life, and that they were going to follow. I, I love this phrase. Uh, we don't even need to answer. We already know. It's not even like it's a conversation that we need to have. We know where we're going with this. And so what we see here, that they said, no matter what, we're not going to bow down. The fire was right in front of them. The fire that was right in front of them, they understood that this death was not going to be a death that was a quick, easy thing. This was going to be a horrible death. They understood, but they understood this, that their lives are in God's hands and God's hands alone, and they are going to do what is right all the way to the end. In a way, it's like our text that we've been walking through, Hebrews eleven thirty-five. The second part, some were tortured 
and they refuse to accept release. Refuse to accept the way out. Because really, what was the way out? The way out was them to be faithful to the end. And why did they do that? So that they might rise again to a better life. They understood that this world was not their home, that they were passing through, but they were called to be faithful, to be faithful to God all the way to the end. So what happens? Back with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The the king gets angry, doesn't he? And you can read it there in the text. And so what he decides to do, he gets angry at them because they will not give in, and so he throws them in the fiery furnace. What we can take from this is when we live a life by faith, when we live a life that is not worthy of this world, the world will not know what to do with us. There's going to be two responses when we live by faith. One, they will repent and become saved. Or the second, they will try to get rid of us because they don't know what to do with us. And many times they will get rid of us through the martyr's death. So, these four men laid out Hebrews 11.35 in front of us. They refused to not take the way out because they knew there'd be a better life. These four men give us great examples, examples of a life that is not worthy of this world. And I, so I want to review what we walked through. How do you live a life that is not worthy of this world? Number one, we obey God. It sounds simple, but yet, isn't it interesting at this time, when so many of those theological things that we could believe when it was easy to believe them, like is God really in control or is God not? When the testing comes, what do we do? We obey God, and we obey Him to the end in all of what He's called us to do. Next, living a life that is not worthy of this world, we seek God's wisdom in prayer. We respond with prudence and discernment. Why? Because we know that wisdom comes from God, and so we're able to seek His heart to know what to do. And last but not least, we live with an eternal perspective in mind. And so when we understand these things, when we grasp them, these are the way that we will live a life that the world is not worthy of. And so we come to our so what for the day. How are you living a life not worthy of this world? And again, I'd encourage you, I'm going to throw this slide back up again. Spend some time with your family there. What are the things that God has called us to do? What are those next steps? What are some ways that we can be praying, asking God's wisdom? And what are the ways right now that we can help our eyes stay focused on the eternal perspective, not on the immediate disaster around us? How can we keep our eyes focused on Him and Him alone? So let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you. Thank you for this time that we could be together online. Thank you for opportunities like this that we can gather. Help us to continue to long to gather together around your truth and your word. Help us to be people of your word. Dear only Father, guide us, give us wisdom. Give us understanding of how to live in this world faithful to you. We ask these things in your son's name we pray, amen. If you could, I will ask you to stand, but you don't have to stand wherever you're at. I'm so used to saying, please stand for the benediction, but you can sit for the benediction if you'd like, or if you want to stand, you can there. I'll give you a moment to get up. All right, now that you're standing. The benediction is found in Deuteronomy 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.
And may the Lord bless you. And like the song that many people sang generations ago as they would leave, may God be with you until we meet again.